And welcome to the 153rd episode of The Greatest Show. I'm DJ Allen. I'm joined by my wife, Trisha, and our very special guest, Dirk Manning. Finally! <laughs> Thank you for having me. For those of you that are not privy to the behind the scenes, I have trying I have been trying to get him since around episode 90. It's been a minute. We've had a lot of <laughs> business. He's but, a busy guy. He's a busy guy. Well, you know, I mean, we both, you know, have things come up and stuff, but we're here now. The time is right. That's all. It, yeah. It's just finally the the apropos time. Uh, Trisha said, "You know what, Dirk, do it now." And I said, "Yes, ma'am." <laughs> Uh, she said she's going to wear her Cthulhu shirt, which is all it really took to, to get me here. And uh, I know. I thought I had that on this morning. I'm like, this is going to be perfect. <laughs> oh, I thought you wore that like, I mean, not to be vain or nothing, but I thought you wore that special. That's just I, a coincidence. I didn't until like an hour and a half ago. And then uh, it was, and then it was on purpose. So <laughs> while I was getting my setup set up, she's like, she's in the bathroom. Um, I, she must've been doing a little something with her hair. And she goes, Ooh, baby Cthulhu is a good thing to have on for this. And I'm like, yes, it is. <laughs> uh, that's very appropriate with the, the Cthulhu Jr. stuff. Yeah, absolutely. So, that, so that... I I am jealous of one thing behind you, Dirk. I have to start out. Right here. My, 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 my quarantine. Well, there, there is that, but nothing yeah, grows up here anymore. Here. <laughs> nothing grows up here anymore. No, but the spinner rack behind you. Yeah, yeah, that is uh, that is actually an old school spin rack, and you probably can't tell because the the pictures will blurry because my office is a disaster. But it is actually one of the uh, the original like spinner racks. So on it, it has Richie Rich, Spider Man, Archie, and Superman, and it says comics read one today. So it's like one of those like old school ones, like from back in the day that weighs like ten thousand pounds, oh, and. Oh. Uh, yeah, my goal is um, one of my goals in life is to fill a spinner rack with all my own titles. Ah, so that's goal. what that spinner rack is. That's all my own books. It's getting there. Um, we're not there yet, but we're getting closer and closer. And as the years go on, you know, I'm getting more and more there. But one of my goals has always been an old school spinner rack to legit fill it ethically, you know, like not like, you know, spread it out, you know, but. <laughs> with all my own work, you know, so that's that's kind of like my, my one of my motivations, one of my lifeless moments is when I've filled a spinner rack with my own work. Now, do you mean and, like one title only per slot or? Well, see, and that and that's the thing that gets tricky because, you know, like you take books like Nightmare World, for example, and their gra their original graphic novels. So what I'll do is I'll put like volume one. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah. Boom. Volume <laughs> Very did well. I get did I get those for you in Ohio? You did. You know what? Oh, oh yeah. Well, we'll have to go to that story at some point. Yes, yeah. totally. But yeah, <laughs> but yeah. So like, what I'll do is like volume one, volume two, volume three, volume four. So I'll put each one in a slot. That's know. legitimate. Yeah, that I, I see that that one. Can see them all. That's what I consider fair. Now, like. When we did like uh, Hope, for example, which was a six-issue miniseries, or Part of the Highons, which was a one-shot, and then a five-issue miniseries, I don't go one, two, three, four, five, six all the way down. Rather, uh, the one-shot is in a slot. The miniseries is in a slot. You know, so that's how I do it. I mean, otherwise, I could have that thing filled twice over by now if I wanted to pad it. 
but I want to do it fairly. So like all of hope volume one is in a slot and uh, go that way. And I'm, I'm getting close. I haven't counted how many spots I have left yet because I just want to be like organic. But uh, <laughs> yeah, well, so that's, that's that. And, and back in the day when I started collecting, I went through an entire spinner rack in, in there was two locations in the town. We both grew up cause we both came mm-hmm. from the same tiny little town in North Dakota. And uh-huh. yeah. Um, and uh, I would go through every, every comic in each slot because, you know, I would find, so I started with all Spider-Man and then I kind of slowly branched out as I discovered other things in there. Mm-hmm. And what I noticed is, the people stocking the things didn't really pay attention to what was in each slot. So I would, you know, Spider-Man, right. Spider-Man, Spider-Man. What the hell's Iron Man doing in here? <laughs> right, 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 right. And they were all like that. And there was all kinds of stuff. So if I, I, I know at one point I was missing an issue of something. I was really upset about it. And it was at the bottom in between two issues of Green Lantern at the yeah. very bottom. And I was like, oh, <laughs> yeah, you got to dig around and, like, hope it's there, you know, and, yeah. Oh, it's great funny. stuff. I, I, I actually started buying comics for the first time um, at a uh, skateboard shop. There was a, I was a skater when I was a teenager, and I was always, I've always been a voracious reader. And I went in there, and the guy had, like, all of a sudden, like, this, you know, magazine rack, like a whole wall of, like, magazine shelving, I should say. And it was comics. And I wasn't, I didn't really read, I mean, I was aware of comics, you know, I'd seen them here and there before that and read a couple here and there, but didn't read them or collect them or anything like that. But I was like, wow, this will be cool because I will, if I find something I like, I'll have something new to read every month, which was, that was the draw to me of comics was the fact that, oh my gosh, I could have something new to read every month. That'll be, you know, this will just be absolutely, you know, incredible. Well, from there, then I migrated over to a uh, local grocery store, which had a spinner rack and it, and it was that same thing. And, and my, my, my traumatic spinner rack experience was not that they ran out, but like my parents dropped me off. Like they pulled up in front of the grocery store. I have my dollar. I run in there. I grab the book. I go to the cash register. I give him the dollar. I'm all set. And she goes, oh, no, it's like a dollar twenty-five. I'm like, no, they're a dollar. <laughs> well, it's when the price had just gone up. I'm like, oh, 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 oh. And she's like, sorry, dollar and a quarter. So I had to run back out to the car, get a quarter from my from my <laughs> folks, come back in to buy it. And I'm like, really? You just couldn't? I mean, I get it. A quarter is a quarter. But I remember the time, and I was like, you know, I didn't have a lot of money or nothing. I was all excited. I like the dollar for the book, you know, and uh, so that was so, my uh, my my traumatic spinner rack story. So, how old are you? <laughs> what year is it? 45. What year is it indeed? What what uh, what month? Been the is same year for like five years. January. Oh my oh god. Okay, so my birthday is also in <laughs> January, and I'm 44. So I Aquarius. Yeah, no, Capricorn. Oh, you're Capricorn. Oh. <laughs> no We're close. We're still January. We can still have January. That's yes. fine. Um, we uh, so yeah, when I started collecting, they were all a dollar, and yes, I remember the the 125 that was catastrophic because I yeah. was collecting so many books at that point, and when the dollar 25 happened, I'm like. I completely have to cut out a large chunk of what I was doing because mm-hmm. I didn't have the budget anymore. I was like, no. 
it's a twenty five percent jump, you know, yeah. and it, and yeah, that that's serious, you know. Uh, at the time, I wasn't reading many comics, uh, but I was reading. I was probably still reading. I was reading like Ghost Rider and maybe like. It, but I remember the issue. It was um, it was one of the Peter David Hulk books, you know, and when it jumped up, because I was a big fan of Peter David's run on the Hulk, and uh, yeah, I'll never forget. I was like, oh, 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 it was like a great Dale Keown cover and stuff. I'm like, oh, oh, hold on, hold on, you know, go run out to my car and. Yeah, I must have been collecting most of what Marvel was putting out at that time. And when it jumped up, and that was close to when Image came out, too. So I I almost had to knock off. I I had to, there was a lot of cuts back then because I had to, I wanted all the Image stuff, too. And they were so hard to get in my little small town. I was going to say, did like the, did, did you buy it at a grocery store then or a drugstore? Uh... It was a, it was a drugstore and what everybody keeps calling a dime store, which was basically yeah. a glorified craft store. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Ben I, Franklin. I, I know what Ben Franklin is. Yeah. They always had the real good candy in there too, like the candy displays and stuff. Yeah. Now, now the dime store is a pot store in Portland. <laughs> <laughs> There's one called the dime store. Oh, it's oh. called the dime store. Yeah. Yes, it is. <laughs> I, I never saw an actual comic book store, like one dedicated to comic books, until I went into the Navy in 1994 in mm. New Orleans when I sold off my almost 10,000 book collection. Yeah. Have you been rebuilding it ever since? No. Um, I started to at one point, but um, we've... Uh, since we've been married, um, we've just not had the room to store things. And I'm, 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 I have one short box beside me, and that is about all of the physical space uh, we're willing to put into physical <laughs> stuff. Right. No, that. Is you know, part of it mine too, or not? Yeah, and part of the part of the long uh, part of the shirt box is hers. So I mean, it's not even all mine. <laughs> I'm especially honored to have some space in your short box then. Thank you. Um, actually, you, you mm-hmm. don't have it in that. I'm I'm about ready to convince her to buy a second <laughs> short box. <laughs> yes. If I, could swing the camera, if I could swing the camera, there is a short box worth of comics sitting on top of the short box right. and up on the shelf. <laughs> I guess uh, your and, argument is going to be because one is yours. Yeah. One is mine. That's right. Fair. That right. that is that is absolutely right? accurate. To me it sounds like that means go ahead and get the box. Right. Yeah. Well and I, have I mean I'm I'm so into that signed oh. Yes. Book. Yes, I remember, yeah, from Cleveland. We yeah, that was uh, that was uh that was such a funny <laughs> I don't know, I will steal the thunder if we get to that, but uh <laughs> Well, Tracy, do you want to do you want to broach the? Uh... Okay, so yeah, I. Was it in 2017? Yeah, that yeah. sounds about yeah. right. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so I've met you, yet DJ hasn't, and you know, DJ's the DJ's the fan. I mean, he's the reason I know who you are. So, um, I was I was working uh for Wizard World in the photo ops department. And, and I knew you were there and he knew you were there and it must've been the end of the last day. Yep, Sunday, we it was Sunday late up. afternoon. Yep. 
so we're we're packing up and 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 I'm like I I need to go to one booth. That's all I need to do. Just one booth. And I get DJ on my phone on FaceTime and I go over to the booth and and I, I introduce myself and I'm like and he's a huge fan and by the way and here he is. Like shoves a phone in my face and there he's like, Will you face and I think he's like, Will you FaceTime with my husband? And it was something like that. So I'm like, Yeah, hey dude, what's going on? You know. Oh yep. squeed like a little girl. It was, it was, it was just funny. Cause I think may, you might have even have run by first to see if I was there. It's very like, possible. I think you're like, okay, <laughs> I, I, I got to get my husband on FaceTime. I'll be back. Because <laughs> like, my buddies were like, she's never coming back. I'm like, no, she's coming back. That was legit. Like, 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 like you, wouldn't, you wouldn't run over here to do that to then not come back. You know, it's like one of those things like, okay, well, I'll, I'll come back tomorrow and pick it up. It's like, it's Sunday afternoon, guys. We're leaving in like an hour. And I think that's when Wizard was even in that phase where they were ending the show Sunday, like at four, maybe, or so, it, like maybe a little bit earlier. Mm-hmm, it was, I, mm-hmm. yeah, I think because they were kind of waffling because by the time you get to like a Sunday, you know, it's closing the show Sunday at five. It's like, if they're not there by four o'clock, you know, let's just, yeah. people got to drive back, whatever, fly back. So, uh, but yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so that's how we, that's how uh, DJ first met <laughs> running up and, <laughs> here you are like showed him the yep. book and stuff like that yeah that was funny yeah yeah and then you recorded uh an intro for him on yes. the phone for his show yes and yes. and yeah since uh since the other guys were there that were involved in that book i i know i got signatures from everybody and huh? i saw the little drawing in there and <laughs> one that's my one drawing i do so <laughs> a little Cthulhu. That's like the only thing I can draw. So I have to say that when I'm at Comic Cons of any kind, um, creators love me because um, I don't go to a booth just to browse. If I actually am interested in your stuff, I always buy something and yeah. I don't want to just buy it. I want you to sign it because what's the point of buying it if you're there and I can get you to sign it? Because... I do it. So every book I've ever bought from a con has the author or if it's the writer, I have the writer's signature in it. Or if right. I have both the writer and the, the, the artist, I've got both in there. So, mm-hmm. I mean, I, I do these things because I want the industry to keep going. And you're actually you're lucky that I wasn't physically there because <laughs> she couldn't have said anything to me that would have prevented i would have bought everything at your booth <laughs> not not like every copy but i mean one of everything at your no booth. i got hey but we'll talk when we go off the air because you know I've, I've had a lot of stuff come out since 17 and luckily for you there's a uh, a bundle price so oh boy. <laughs> uh, i was um, gonna say too if if you just told him that you're gonna buy everything in sight it's like in in a week we're gonna see an announcement from rose city comic-con that the Newest announcement coming to their con is Dirk Manning. <laughs> I have not done Rose City yet. I want to so bad, you know. It's but obviously right now with the current uh, situation going on, you know, I mean, we're kind of like placing bets about like when will we really open back up, you know? And it's funny because, ironically, funny I guess that 
I was telling everybody, 2020, I'm going to start dialing back on shows a little bit. My prop, my output <laughs> is increasing. I got to be home. Well, I didn't mean everyone had to dial back. Right. You know, I, I didn't. I didn't mean like it's like Dirk Manning says he's doing less shows. Shut it down. Right. <laughs> you know, but um, <clears throat> I'm looking yeah. forward to getting back on the road. And I've never been to Portland. Rose City's. Um, it's on a my really list. good one. Yeah, I volunteer heard... for it every year. I I'm a I always help run it. I'm a volunteer there. So, yeah. Or crew or whatever they call us these days. I will say I'm not on the books this year, but we'll we'll do a virtual Comic Con. You know, and, and that's the thing. Like a lot of like friends of mine and stuff have been like doing like selling books online and things like that. I just did an auction last week with SourcePoint Press where uh, I went to the warehouse. You know, practicing social distancing and everything else. <laughs> but uh, I. I, I went to the warehouse and we, I donated a bunch of books to them for the live auction, which was fun. And I've avoided doing that for myself, but it's like part of the reason my office is blurred out in the background is <laughs> one, two, three, four, five boxes, six bucks, seven bucks, eight bucks, nine bucks, ten. Like I ordered all my stock for the shows and uh, uh, I was going to do because I did Astronomicon with Twisted. And I was going to do C2E2, and I had a, a situation arise, you know, um, that I couldn't, I couldn't make it to C2E2. But I was going to be off to the races after that. Well, there hasn't been a show since C2E2, and so I don't have my C2E2 stock. I have my stock for like what was going to be like eight or nine big shows for me. So it's like eh, maybe I will do Office Con. We'll see. <laughs> you know. Uh, we'll we'll see what happens. Like I, I got my silver sharpies and stuff. Like, let's go, you know. But we'll so we'll see what happens. Well, so I know said... that. Oh, go ahead. Oh, it's just going to say when it comes to Rose City for this year, they're still they're still talking about it happening. I mean, that's in September, so September. we we've got a while. But uh, I yeah. may have to I may have to find out what our options are if they're still uh, they're still looking at guests or, and things like that. So. I'm really hoping it's still happening, honestly, because George Takei is supposed to be there. <laughs> oh, nice. Nice. So I'm kind of, yeah, I'm pretty excited about that one. Yeah. And he's, so at one point I was interested in meeting all the Star Trek cast. And when she had a run in with Shatner as a volunteer and <laughs> I heard about how Shatner is behind the scenes, I was done. I didn't want to have anything to do with that. So I was very disappointed. It gets... I mean, it yeah. I knew he was away, but I mean, it. he just, the way she described how things were, and I mean, I even kind of heard things, and I was like, I, no, I'm I'm not, <laughs> no, no. It, it, it gets tricky, you know, 99% of the people you meet, in general, are, are just pretty, pretty, pretty cool, pretty solid, yeah. you know, everyone has a bad day, you know, things like that, I get that. But I, I've learned even as time's gone on, it's it's that one percent that sadly can ruin it for everyone. And I've had a pretty good run, you know, I mean, with people I've met and people that I, I've, you know, per, even my own like personal professional life, you know, is I've just had a very good run with with people I've known and people I've worked with and things like that. But, you know, it's like everyone always told me, too, like, sooner or later, you're going to get that you're going to get that one. It's going to ruin for everybody. I'm like, ah, oh, it'll never happen. Oh, things that, you know, you treat people well, they treat you well. Things. And then sadly, it just causes you to kind of like your situation. It causes you to really recalibrate. 
But, uh, you know, maybe you meet everyone but Shatner then. That's fine. You know, I don't know. You know, it's like, or whoever may be the person that is uh, less than desirable. I'm still interested in meeting George because I also like his partner, Brad, because he's, he's, we've seen stuff with both of them on there and Brad's yeah. just as cool. So. Well, and George Takai did that really, uh, that really amazing graphic novel too, about the time of the internment camp. He, well, I'm, he's also done that about the play about it, the, the resistance, I mm. think it's called. So, I mean, yeah, he's, it's. He'd be a cool he's, guy. He's, yeah. He seems down to earth, or at least Brad keeps him down to earth about all of it too. So it's <laughs> it's it's good. You know, I, I tell people all the time. You know, when I'm at a comic con, I'm at work, and as such, I'm not allowed to have a bad day. Now <laughs> you can have things going on outside of work and things like that, but when you show up to work, you got to work. And I've had friends who've had like very traumatic things happen, like their dog was dying or, you know, I, I missed a show due to a, a family crisis that I knew I couldn't deal with the family thing I was dealing with with my grandfather and then go to one of my big shows of the year. Just there's a lot of pragmatic logistical issues. But my big thing is my worst day being a guest at a Comic-Con is still pretty amazing. You know what I mean? And, and you got to remember that. You got to own the fact that, you know, when you're getting started, and I don't know what it's like with actors or other people or even other creators per se, but to me, <laughs> anytime, any day I'm at a Comic-Con and someone wants to come just chat with me about comics and maybe pick up a book or we just get to geek out from it together, whether it be at a Comic-Con or a horror con or whatever, that's a that's a pretty good day at the office. You know what I mean? And and you got to own that. And, and, and like you were saying, you know, I mean, it only takes one bad interaction with one person one time to change things forever, you know. So just be cool, show up, have a nice time and treat very well. You know, those are your your customers. Those are the those are the reason you get to keep doing what you're doing. So other other people have kind of redeemed it, too. Like I was fourth in line for a Oh, God, uh, Alan Tudyk picture. Hmm. Um, basically, I was right behind all of the uh, the disabled, the ADA people. So when I got up there, he's he's he was I mean, he was smiling when I got in into the room and he, he's he's like, um, hang on a minute. And he walked he walked past a curtain and he chewed some guy's ass <laughs> out. But I mean, he wasn't quiet about it at all. He just chewed some guy's ass Ooh. out real hard. And then he came back in took a drink of water and he looked at me, he smiled again. He's like, sorry about that. And I'm like, no, yeah, to me. I mean, so I mean, I, it wasn't, it wasn't about me. I, and I couldn't hear exactly what he was chewing about, but I mean, I, at, at first I was like, Oh my God, he's really mad. <laughs> but I mean, he came back in, he smiled, took pictures. We were all fine. So, I mean, that was good. And uh, I mean, so that, that was, that was different. But I, mean, I think, well, I think that everybody that goes to a Comic-Con is in a super good mood, usually, anyway. Right. Um, you know, I mean, seeing it as a volunteer, I'm, I'm, you know, working somewhere in the hall, and whether it be, uh, you know, scanning tickets for photo ops, or selling merchandise, or just, you know, answering questions, or line control, those people are having the best day of their life. <laughs> mm-hmm. 
So well, well, it that's all exactly works out. It. And your job as a guest of a con, or I guess my job as a guest of a con, is to help perpetuate that experience and recognize that, you know, I'm there as ambassador of the show. I'm there as ambassador with my publisher. I'm there as ambassador of myself, my brand, my work. And again, you know, the if you have an external stuff going on or whatever, you got to leave that behind during the time of the con. People come up, and on average, people get maybe four or five minutes with you, tops. Yeah. Be cool. Yeah. And, if you, and I'm notorious about when I show up at a show, I am at my table. That is it. If I'm not at my table, I am either filling or emptying my water bottle. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah. That's, That's it. That that I I am there. I mean, I will sneak little bites of a power bar or something like that. Other <laughs> than that, I'm there. Because inevitably, you know, if you leave, that's when someone's looking for you. But if you're having a bad situation or something's going on, it's also okay to take five or ten minutes. Get yourself together. Remind yourself that you said you're at a Comic-Con. You're the happiest place on Earth. And go back out there and just enjoy what you're doing. But I see people storm clouding. Sometimes it shows creators and stuff. They're sitting there. They're just, you know, bummed out. No one's coming to their table or whatever. If you sit there and look like you're pissed at the world, no one is going to (laughs) stop. Stand up. Smile. Don't carnival call people. Don't carnival barker people. And when someone stops... Oh, God, I hate that. That's my biggest pet peeves is when people are like, hey, hey, can I tell you about my book? You know, it's like, uh, right. oh. <laughs> it, 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 kills, it kills everything around you. You know, you get these clowns holding up signs and stuff like that. And, and some people like the gimmick. I get it. My, my, my approach has always been, you know, I'm dressed in a suit because I'm at work and I'm standing there. And when you take one look at my table, you will know fairly quickly if anything is going to catch your eye you know you see like nightmare world tales of mystery love stories to die for and now you see other stuff like the adventures of cthulhu jr dastardly dirk haunted high ons hope but by and large there's a certain aesthetic to the books i do you'll know right away if something looks interesting and if you want to stop and you want to hear about it i'll tell you about it I'll chat with you a minute either way. It's cool. We're all geeks. We'll all hang out, have a nice time. And then that's it. But that whole carnival barking and yelling and standing on chairs and stuff like that. I mean, <laughs> the, 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 the hard shill, you know, I tell people, I tell uh, up and coming creators all the time, shilling or a hard sell gets you a sale, gets you a sale. But treating, yeah. people with, treating people with integrity and respect and, you know, people oftentimes don't remember even so much what you talk about is how you make them feel. And if you remember, like, even if like you're out of money, like say, DJ, you're out of money, but you come by my table, you're like, wow, this stuff looks really cool. And if I treat you well and stuff like that, I mean, again, I'm not trying to like do run some psychological game here, but if I treat you well, next time I'm at the show, next year I'm at the show or something, like that Dirk Manning guy, he was okay. And I kind of wanted to check out one of his books. And you come by for a minute and, you know, cool you want to pick up something awesome if not no big deal you know just just be good to people uh that's all i don't know i um so i i don't (laughs) i don't sell at at uh comic cons but you know Mm -hmm. like like i said i I obviously have a cat toy business um because i'm selling these things all the time so i'm at craft bears and the whole carnival barker thing (laughs) boy it really last november I was at a show and it's actually called geek the halls. So it's, it's all, <laughs> yeah, all geek related. 
And there all was geek a, craft stuff, obviously. Yep, yep, all geek craft stuff. And there was a, a booth there for uh, for the census coming up in 2020. And they were very aggressive. And the booths that were beside them suffered for it because somebody would be looking at a product and the census person would actively try to get them away from that booth to talk to them about the census. Uh, and no. it, and I and I just remember I don't know if the girl ever said anything to the organizers, but the the person who was being affected her business um, at one point she she laid into the the people in the census booth and said, you know, you are actively taking people away from my booth, and this is not right. It's not fair. I'm not going to deal with it anymore. And and you know she's she she said it straight. And, and I remember I, I told a friend of mine that was there with me and I go, I go, let's go buy something from her. <laughs> and so we, yeah, yeah, we yeah. went to her booth and we bought stuff. <laughs> I, I've been pretty fortunate because uh, usually when someone starts doing that, you, if you talk to them, they kind of rope it in. I, I had a really bad situation at a major convention. First time in a long time, about a year ago when, um, the person next to me was building up their display and what it was doing is it was creating a wall mm -hmm. like if i'm like to stage left so that the people coming in and i was i was on the end literally wouldn't see me you know he'd look like he was the end of the aisle and there's rules that they show but you can't go more than two feet off your table or whatever i was trying to be cool about it and i'm like hey man i go oh, you know you're kind of blocking me out here and and he got really hairy about it. And he's like, well, then switch uh, me spots. And I'm like, excuse me? <laughs> like, I, I've been advertising that I'm in this particular spot for two months now. And you just want me to flip-flop because you're breaking the rules? He was like, well, then you should be call the manager. You know, the, 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 the artist alley manager. And I'm like, do you really want me to do this? <laughs> he's like, Sounds yeah. Like it. He's just doubling it. Like, yeah. Like, yeah, like, yeah bro. I'm like, okay. And I just couldn't believe it. And we reconciled to the best we could. He admitted that there was some stuff. Again, he was having a bad day. And I inadvertently <laughs> had contributed to that. But it's like, I get that. But I also didn't make you break the rules, you know. And it's yeah. like, you know, just, but that's it. We all just got to get along, you know, just be cool, get along, be positive, be, be productive, be pleasant, you know. Um, but that's funny. I, I guess I never would have assumed that you'd have carnival barkers at a craft show. Yeah, right? you do. <laughs> uh, I, I guess that's yeah. my bad for thinking they're more like more of a meek and gentle people. No. But I get <laughs> no, 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 I've no. definitely had some very rude other oh, businesses. I oh, yeah. I remember even one time I was trying to there was a, a booth that uh, sewed products that I had bought before, like a year before or something. Right. Um, I don't think I bought them from them directly. I must have found them in a store possibly. And so then I'm set up a couple booths away from them. And I, I came up and I started saying, you know, I, um, God, what was I saying? Oh, cause I said, I have a, I have a dog treat business. I, and I make cat toys and stuff and they go, Oh, they had a dog in their booth. That was the problem. 
So they had their dog with them while they were setting up and they're like, I'm not buying anything from you. I'm like, okay, that's great. I was just coming over to say, I have a dog treat business. So I've bought your, your <laughs> pot holders that have dogs on them to use at my business right. because they fit into my business. So I just wanted to say, hi, I really like your products. Sorry. <laughs> did they did they apologize? They, no. Not only did they not apologize, but every year after that, they were always either beside me or one booth away from me, and they never once talked to me. <sighs> I'm sorry so, that nope. happened. <laughs> Do you still have the potholders? DJ? I don't remember seeing dog potholders. I was curious that you like lit him on fire after that. Like, screw you guys. Let's let's <laughs> see. I can go over to my drawer here. Real. Yep. You know what? I still do. No. Because okay. I don't have all of them. I can't find all of them. Oh, yeah. Look at that. Yeah. yeah. And and then I know they did um, sports teams, and so that was his team. And I think I got myself the Tennessee Titans and stuff too. But yeah. but yep. I still have some. And that I'm was glad you're supporting them despite a uh, <laughs> a poor personal interaction. Speaks volumes to your caliber as you. I had a store. I ran a store for six years on my own, and I sold for 35 different local businesses. Uh -huh. uh, you know, other handmade products, and boy, that was that was a challenge. <laughs> can only imagine. So, well, we're we're dealing with that right now with the. Uh, the, the the I want to say the, the crisis. I don't know. I, I'm trying to say if the word crisis is overstating it or not. But with the comic book distribution right now, and the comic book store shutting down, and Diamond and yeah, DJ says they're not I, distributing. Yeah, as soon Diamond. as I heard Diamond wasn't yeah. a distributor, I'm like, oh no, that's well, okay. So <laughs> then I'm thinking, okay, you still got digital, you still got digital, and then. Like Marvel's like, we're not gonna do anything. We're not shipping anything. We're not digitally sending anything out. And I'm like, are you literally cutting off your entire customer base from buying anything from you? That's a good business plan, Marvel. Good on you. <laughs> well, it's tricky because the stores don't necessarily make money off of digital, you know. But that, you know, so you're kind of screwing the stores that potentially screwing some of the stores that way. But the other thing that I think that's been really interesting is now as a result. You have more comic book shops than ever looking at smaller publishers of creator-owned work, for example, like SourcePoint Press, for example, who are direct, directly distributing to the stores. Like, we'll send you stuff. Like, <laughs> hey, what 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 better time than to check out Audit Hions featuring Twisted or Hope, you know, you know, things like that. So it's been interesting that because now you have a lot of comic book shops because they can't get Marvel and DC through Diamond and they need content to sell and they're reading new stuff that they normally wouldn't have, have, have given the time of day and like, wow, this is high caliber stuff. This is really good. My, my customers would like this. And it's like, yeah, <laughs> you can have high quality work and not be at Marvel or DC. You yeah. can have high quality work and not be an Image or Boom too. Again, Image does good books, Boom does good books, Marvel, DC, they all do. But so does SourcePoint Press. So do some of these other publishers offer amazing work. 
and I'm glad that that comic shops are are finally getting to that point now where their hand's been forced a little bit, but hopefully now the follow through will be uh, checking out other stuff. There's room for everybody, you know. That's that's the one thing I really appreciate about Todd McFarlane is that he's always been on a drumbeat of don't work for the big two. I mean, right. there's so many options out there. Guys, I mean, it, Captain America is always going to be in the, the status quo. Yes, it'll change here and there, but it's always going to be the status quo. Go where someone is going to tell a story from start to end. And I'm I'm tired of seeing a I, – I don't want to know 75 years of continuity. I want to see – I want to see Dirk Dastardly or whatever go from oh, yeah, start to finish. Dirt. I want to know <laughs> Dastardly Dirk. Yeah, Go yeah, from yeah. start to finish. And I, I know that's probably not a, a good example, but I mean, oh, it's, <laughs> I mean, jump I want to like jump on the ground floor or something and just yeah. go. I want, you know, at this point, I'm going to start Hope and I want to see Hope go from point A until wherever she ends up. Well, and that's the glory of it being a creator owned book is that whether you read books of mine like Hope or Tales of Mystery or Nightmare World or, or what have you. I can do anything I want with the characters because I own them, you know, yeah. and, and I'm going to be talking about this in right or wrong volume two, how corporately owned superhero books are like a roller coaster. I can't yeah. wait. Yeah. Thank you. I didn't even, we didn't even set this up. But, no. <laughs> you know, things where, let's take, let's take, uh, uh, um, Scott Snyder's run on, on Batman recently. Snyder and Capullo. An amazing run. They did The Court of Owls. They did Death of the Family. They did really, really, really cool stuff. But at the end of the day, when they walk off the book... Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. Or, but it, but it's like a roller coaster. You know, you know, you get all these thrills and all these dips and turns and swirls and things, but when the run ends, you're right back where you started. And that's okay. You know, I can enjoy a good Batman comic. Again, Tom King doing it. I mean, God, look what they did to Tom King. They they kind of had a gentleman's agreement or what have you for a hundred issue run, and they're like, Yeah, we're wrapping this up a little bit early. You know, but we're going to take your last story arc, your 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 culminating story arc, and put it in a whole separate series. You know, which again, I don't work at DC; it's not my place to make those decisions, whatever. Uh, but but again, I can enjoy a book like that for the same reason I can enjoy a roller coaster, because knowing that I'm going to start and stop in the same place. But a book like Hope, a book like Haunted Highlands, a book like Tales of Mystery, where the stakes are real, the consequences are real, uh, and you can do a lot more with the story because you control it. You know, I even think of a TV show like, again, with a horror motif like Dexter. Uh, Dexter was a really, really solid show. It was very, very, very good. It had its ups and downs, and again, maybe arguably, maybe went a little bit too long. I mean, the Trinity storyline was the highlight of the thing by far. We started and, it, but we didn't get far into it. Okay, that, <laughs> that's something we could go back and watch. Yeah, I, uh, I got to be anyway. careful that with how I, 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 I <laughs> now. I'm glad, I'm glad you said now. something. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm going to be. How spoiler sensitive are you? 
I'm I'm not at all personally. I'll probably I'll probably forget the spoiler by the time we start watching it. <laughs> there you go. Well, I'll try to be good regardless. But as they were wrapping up the run on Dexter, they said we we want to do X or let me back up. I don't know if they said that. As they were getting to the end of Dexter, the Showtime comes in and says, "Okay, we know the series is ending, but you can't do this. You can't do this. You can't do this." And they're like, "Wait, what?" They're like, well, and because they had reasons that because they own the franchise, mm. you oh. know, so they, let me let me put this like there was there was I'm not going to say whether it ultimately happens or not, but Showtime was like, OK, but you can't kill Dexter. They're like, wait, what? OK, I was going to say they probably were told they can't finalize things. They have to leave things a little bit vague and open ended. Right. And now I, I don't want to spoil how <laughs> that eventually works out does dexter die does he not watch the show or read it on wikipedia whatever you want to do but they put all this time into the 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 series and they had a certain way they wanted to go and like well yeah but you can't kill dexter you can't do this because right they wanted the opportunity to have spinoffs and that's when it becomes that cruel reality you don't own it Mm. you know and when you work for corporations and you work on corporately owned titles you don't own it you're playing with other people's toys and that's fine. Now, the difference is that Disney and Warner Brothers pay more money, but they're also paying you to own that idea because they're going to turn around and potentially make a multi-million or billion dollar franchise when they paid you for a script. They paid you for your idea. You know, and the other thing I think of is uh, Jim Starlin, who created uh, this this uh, villain called Thanos you may have heard of. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, you know, he created Thanos or co-created Thanos. He also co-created Lucian Fox and Batman. Lucian Fox is like Batman's gadget guy. And in the Dark Knight movies, it's Morgan Freeman plays him, I believe. Morgan Freeman. Right. (laughs) Jim Starlin tells the story about how he makes more money from the DC movies for Lucian Fox than he makes from the Marvel movies for Thanos. Oh. Wow. Right? Oh. Right. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Yeah. I mean, and if I'm, or you get like Ed Brubaker, for example, who found out that the next Captain America movie was called The Winter Soldier, which is like the character that he, <laughs> he re envisioned Bucky as the Winter Soldier, he found out on Twitter. That they were doing a movie based on his story arc. Now, don't get me wrong. He makes good money and things like that. But to me, there's a certain point where it becomes the principle of that. like, you know, obviously DC was taking better care of Jim Starlin than Marvel was in that case, at least initially. Uh, the fact that Ed Brubaker found out about the winter, the next Captain movie, The Winter Soldier, on Twitter. Um it just it just leaves a real bad taste in my mouth, which is why, by and large, I work on creator-owned stuff. Like, I do Haunted Highons with Twisted. I don't own Twisted. They're their own band. They're a, rap, they're a hip-hop, rock, rap, crossover band. So I don't own them, obviously, but, but I do work very closely with them on the book, and we strategize on everything together. But with Hope and Tales of Mystery and Nightmare World, The Adventures of Cthulhu, Junior, Dastardly Dirk, I, I get to control those properties because I own it or I co-own it. 
a majority degree, a majority share. So that stuff doesn't happen, you know, that they can't just run away with it and do whatever they want with, with the, the stories that I've developed. Right. So. And, and so I know that you touched on this at the way beginning of our conversation and I need, I need to get it. I need to get you talking about it at some point. Uh, yes. Cthulhu Jr. Like, okay. Cause I, yeah. <laughs> I, I am not, I am not a comic book person. I, um, my comic book taste is 100% based on how cute the artwork is. And, and this, this fits, this is but, right. So yes, I like, I have grumpy cats and I have, right, okay. I have, um, I have a lot of like, I like this Scotty Young, the, um, the, the kid. Well, we have yeah. a lot of Scotty Young stuff. And oh, yeah, hope, right? Hope, yep. Hope probably be yep. up her alley. Yeah, and, but anyway, yeah, go so ahead. I just, so, yeah, I just wanted to look look this up. I wanted to find something online. I'm like, yep, that's my kind of artwork. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, last year, 2019, Hope was SourcePoint Press's first venture into Free Comic Book Day. So the first uh, issue of Hope is Free Comic Book Day. Well, then that same year, they did The Adventures of Cthulhu Jr. and Dastardly Dirk as their Halloween Comic Fest book. So the first issue of two of my series were like the big front and center for the company. Uh, the Adventures of Cthulhu Jr. and Dastardly Dirk is uh, co-created with Scoot McMahon, who's does stuff for All Yeah Comics, uh, Samurai the Samurai Squirrel, uh, Wrapped Up, uh, some really cool books. Scoot's a phenom. And like you said, his artwork is absolutely incredible. He's just an amazing artist. He's an amazing co-creator on that book. And The Adventures of Cthulhu Jr. and Dastardly Dirk is about a wannabe supervillain who has to <laughs> capture the son of Cthulhu to be admitted into the League of Evil. Ah. And uh, it's genuinely an all-ages book. I mean, you look at Scoot, and it's funny because when Scoot and I were first working on the book... And we were kind of plotting it and stuff like that. And mind you, we plotted the book in a two and a half hour car ride. I mean, it was that organic. <laughs> it was pop, pop, pop. I mean, we we're just like peanut butter and jelly, man. We just, we just worked. We just worked. It was great. But it was funny because when I was writing it, he's like, yeah, some of these aren't, it's not written like a kid's book because that's primarily what he does. And I said, well, yeah, I said, I want this to be an all ages book. Kids can read it. For, and they'll enjoy it for a different reason than you'll enjoy it, even for a different reason than DJ will enjoy it. You know, we'll all everybody will enjoy it for for different reasons. But uh, Scoot is, I would argue, one of the the greatest living cartoonists of our generation right now. I mean, he is just absolutely amazing. He's fantastic. He's a great guy to work with. Uh, very v ridiculously good. And the fact that he creates so much of his own original content, the fact that we could work together on that book. Mm -hmm. But again, it comes up to the point earlier, like that's a book that we co-own, but we had to work things out where it's like, Dastardly Dirk is not Dirk Manning. Dastardly Dirk is his own separate character. Different people will tell you that I'm various degrees of dastardly, depending who you ask. <laughs> you know, But it's a situation where because he co-owns the property with me, we had to be very delineate. Dastardly Dirk has a purple scarf and a purple headband. And as opposed to like the digital avatar that I use for myself with, you know, the black top and the black scarf and all that. 
so it was just funny that we had to kind of like have this very specific delineation about what that looks like. It's like you don't own half of Dirk Manning. You don't mm-hmm. have a Dirk, who's his own separate entity. And, you know, and, and he, purple's a great color. Purple's my favorite color. That, see, you can thank, again, that was all Scoot. You can thank Scoot for I that. Know, we know right? we had to make it look a, a little bit different. And and again, <laughs> you know, people are like, oh, well, you made yourself a villain in your own book. And I'm like, it's just that the aesthetic is good. <laughs> it's like a cartoon bad guy. You think of the top hat and the scarf and... You know, and even like how Dashley Dirk like moves, he all kind of slunk over all the time, and <laughs> he's got the flaming skull Aloysius always hanging out with him. And but yeah, I, I uh, I'm excited I about that book. He is on the cover. Yeah, he's 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 the little so mm-hmm. he's the little skull you said. Okay, yeah, he's a little skull. That, that's his uh, familiar, his Aloysius. Um, mm-hmm. So the first issue came out in October. My original plan was to launch the 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 Kickstarter. Uh, in February or March, but obviously then with the state of world affairs going on, things like that, we did push back the Kickstarter for that. Uh, the book is illustrated. We're just kind of now, we had to kind of recalibrate my whole release schedule for 2020. I was going to do three books in 2020, but that was pre-COVID-19, pre, you know, some other stuff going on. So we've recalibrated a little bit. But the publisher's behind me 100%, which is nice. They understand everything going on. Uh, timing is everything on some things. You know, McFarland, <laughs> she was talking about McFarland just launched a million dollar Kickstarter for an action figure. You know, and I see some other Kickstarters doing really well. And I like to go the Kickstarter to, to um, comic shop distribution route. So we're just looking at now, you know, again, recalibrating things like that and, uh, Cthulhu Jr. will come out in its entirety soon, uh, as well as everything else, right along to the Tales of Mystery Omnibus, Tales of Mystery Volume 5, then Hope Volume 2, and some other surprises. You know, Haunted Highons Volume 2 got announced. We had a lot of stuff lined up. But yeah, Cthulhu Jr. will be uh, in his way, on his way in his entirety soon. Excellent. I Good. Someday I want to make a little Cthulhu cat toy. I mean, it's, it's going to happen. It just hasn't happened yet. <laughs> when, the, when the stars entered their proper alignment. Yes, yeah. yes. It's it's taken a real long time to get back to this question, but I haven't forgot it. You had <laughs> mentioned in my book that you only draw that one little Cthulhu picture. Yeah, from yeah. In the signature. Does that mean that you have zero artistic ability other than that? <laughs> he knows you how know, to hire the artists or pick them. Right. I was a really good artist in first grade. I just never got any better. Okay. Now, and but were you really, or did your parents just tell you that? Yeah. <laughs> well, my teacher did too. They thought, oh, "Are you gonna be an artist someday?" But like, All I right. peaked early. I peaked <laughs> well, first grade first. Is like, pretty like, early. Yeah, yeah. I was seven, you know. And when you look at <laughs> when you look at you know the, the little Cthulhu scribble or whatever, that that's you know for a first grader that's pretty good. But I just never really <laughs> got past that. But you're right. To me. Even doing like Nightmare World with all the eight-page stories, I did one of the stories in Nightmare World called In the Meantime, which was four two-page stories because I like to do different things with all stories. And there was a hot minute there where I debated drawing one of the two-page stories myself because like two pages, it was a very simple concept for that particular story. And I and people are like, oh, you got to do one yourself, you got to do one yourself. But I realized I'm like, 
why would I do the vanity thing of drawing it myself if I can have like a Leno Grady or, you know, a Josh Ross or an Austin McKinley or a Seth the Moose or, you know, or it's like, why, or why would I do it? Like when you said, I, I have such great relationships with so many great artists that they could do it and do an infinitely better job, you know, Jeff Wellborn or whatever, Jason Meek, the list goes on and on, you know? Uh, so yeah, I, I, I like to think I have a good eye for art, uh, you know, or Marianne Pascosta, again, amazing artist. But I would much rather let them do that, and I would just rather be the best writer that I can be, and, and hopefully be a pretty good one, and then let people who illustrate, DJ, to answer your question, let them focus on <laughs> illustrating. Yes. Well, I have some artistic ability, and I got farther past seven years old. So, I mean, I, I, can, I can probably do my own art, but I'm I'm my worst critic, which means if I don't do what I think that I can see in my head, I probably get too hard on myself. But I I wanted to concentrate more on the writing, which is why I've been all about the uh, oh, yeah. the right or wrong thing too. So I've got. And I know, I know this says don't do your grand opus as your first thing, but I, I can't get past <laughs> it. I have to do it. I have to. But my grand I also, opus right. starts out small. Well, see, and I also say in the book, ultimately, you have to do something that you're going to own. You know, uh, the problem with the grand opus opening with that is that if it begins so intimidating that you then don't finish it. You know, because make no mistake, too. I mean, a lot of people consider Nightmare World my grand opus. I would ultimately probably consider Tales of Mystery. And there's days I'm like, God, what if I die before I finish Mystery? It's like, oh, you know, <laughs> you know, it gets intimidating. But you do have to follow your heart on what you want to do. Uh, and if starting small lets you get there, then cool. But if you are going full tilt, man, then you got to own it. And you got to do it. You know, uh, right or wrong was intended to be advice. Uh, there is no one way, you know, uh, there's no one way to do things. And, and as you know, having read it, right or wrong is just about, here's what I've learned. This is stuff for you to think about. You know, this is someone that's been there doing it and talking about it. And there's a reason I waited so long to do right or wrong volume two. And it's because I knew I had to get to a certain point in my career where I could say, okay, now let's talk about, because if right or wrong volume one goes from, I want to write a book or I want to make a book to making a book. You're teaming up with artists if you have to, whatever, and you make the comic. Right or wrong, two is going to be about now that you have the book, what do you do with it? You yeah. know, and how do you handle conventions, publishers, editors, sales, things like that? And it's interesting because even in the last year, I've had so many experiences, not all of them pleasant, honestly, <laughs> that have, um, are going to continue to inform that discussion about now that you have the book, now that you are an established professional, now that you have the thing, what do you do with it? You know, and I, and I, I compare it to the journey as a martial artist. When um, I, I, I uh, trained in martial arts for years and then went on to teach martial arts uh, for years, but I'll never forget when I got my black belt, you know, I mean, that's like the thing. Right. Getting the black belt. Like, man, that's that's it. You, you know, I, I'm the beast mode now. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm the guy. And uh, they they tied on my black belt and shook my hand and said, now you can begin. 
No oh boy. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> you really? thought it was the end. Yeah. Or, or people think that's the end. People do, but but the black belt just means you have mastered or you've learned all the basics. Now you can start your journey as a martial artist. What, and it's what the same you, thing. What are you a black belt in? Uh, Taekwondo. Okay. Yeah, second degree. I was testing my third degree when I had a I got a pretty serious concussion that ultimately led oh. me to have to quit training. Not not a take. That's the irony. It wasn't even a Taekwondo. It said a ceiling beam fell on my head. So it was oh. like it, it was board attacks martial artist. Wow. You know. <laughs> <laughs> So I had, I, I, had to, I had to I had to make the decision to back off from that. Plus, with my my writing career, my travel, and my conventions and things like that. But uh, yeah, a lot of people get into martial arts and they get the black belt. Like I got my black belt. Check it off the list. I'm done. It's like no, that just means you learned, you you've learned all the basics. Now you can begin. So right or wrong, volume two is going to be about now that you have the book. You know, now that you made a book, whatever that means. Now you can begin. What do you do with it? How do you set up a convention? How do you set up a show? How do you sell your book? How do you not become that carnival barker? How do you, you know, pardon me, how do you deal with people? How do you deal with your peers? What do you do when people, you know, whatever, get I, bad I reviews, that, talk smack about you, whatever it may be? A lot of that would, would pertain even with, uh, with anything you create, really. I mean, now, you've created something now what do you do with it and you know so a lot of that is is the same thing that that i've gone through with what i and um because i've been at this for 16 years now i think Mm. so so yeah a lot of people need that information it's it's uh it's definitely a learning process to get something out there once you create it yeah, and one of the, my biggest points of pride with Right or Wrong Volume 1 was how my editor on that book, uh, Leah Letterman, who amazing editor, an amazing friend, uh, a writer in her own right now. She's uh, put together her own anthologies. She's published her own work. She was not a comic person when we started that journey. And as uh, when we started the journey of her being the editor for me. So she gets done editing Right or Wrong, and I said, Leah... You know, be honest with me. How agonizing was it for you to do two, read 200 pages about making comics when you're not a comic person? And she said to me, she goes, Dirk, she goes, I'm going to tell you uh, professionally as your editor and personally as your friend. She goes, I learned so much about writing in general and about life in general from reading that book. And it just helped me so much. And now that she does her own books and has has managed uh, an anthology project, work with many creators. Again, I'm not taking away at all. And I'm not even taking an ounce of credit for any of the work she put into doing that. But the fact that a book like Right or Wrong transcends that. And so many people talk about how it affects, it helps, has helped them in so many things in their life is really cool. And with Right or Wrong Volume 2, to your point, the same thing. You do crafting. I would hope that if I do my job with Right or Wrong Volume 2, were you to ever read it for some reason, there might be still things that are, right, which I know not gonna probably not going to happen. But there would still be things that – Audio really I'll listen to you. Oh, it'll right. happen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
I'll people have asked you me, read it to me. Yeah. People have asked me for years to do an audio book of, of Right or Wrong Volume One, and uh, they say, "Well, you got a, voice, a good voice for it, you know." And I'm like, "I have a voice for, I have a, I have a face for radio, and I guess a voice <laughs> for radio." But, uh, but wait, anyway, wait. With the Right or Wrong Volume Two, about that fact that, yeah, now that you have a thing, what do you do with it? Because mm-hmm. that's just like getting your black belt. Now you can start. Like your case, now that you made the cat toys cool, now you can start. How you market it? You do a business, and how do you deal with that rude neighbor at the at the show? Yeah, the right. Person, how do you, uh, you know, uh, negative feedback, whatever, you know, and 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 navigating those circles. Um, so I'm excited to get to it. You know, I'm very, very not a day goes by I don't think about right or wrong volume two, and I'm I'm, I'm getting to the point now where I'm getting to sink my teeth into it, and uh, there's gonna be some pipe bomb stuff in there to use a, a wrestling analogy. You know, there's there's gonna be there's gonna be some 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 pipe bombs in Right or Wrong Volume Two. I well, guarantee. Before it. we transfer to wrestling, I do want to yeah. say one thing. So I I I love this, and yes, I took a lot from this, but um, I also used another one of my heroes, which is Bruce Lee. Yes, the master. Yes. Um, and the very first thing I took out of that book is, don't use that as a manual take what you want and get rid of the rest. So if I combine your two and Mm -hmm. I go back to my thing and say, yes, I'm still going to do my Magnus Opus, but I'm going to do it in the small chunks. I'm, I'm looking at Marvel, the Marvel cinematic universe in doing that. Each movie, while it does fit into a bigger picture is its own story. Start to finish. Absolutely. I am going to do, I'm going to do one graphic novel, start to finish. It is its right own on. thing. Yep, it is yep. its own thing. So it will maybe get expanded upon, or maybe I'll hate the whole experience, and I won't want to do it again. Yeah, I, it's funny, because with Nightmare World, I did that too. I always knew there was a big picture to Nightmare World. There was this big universe. And I was 25 stories into the series with probably about eight or nine artists. No, God, more than that, Brian. Let's say, let's say a dozen, just for argument's sake. About a dozen different artists before I kind of told everyone, look, we're firing on all cylinders, we're rocking and rolling. I got to tell you guys something. There's a big story in this series. And like in, in the first two Nightmare Worlds, by the time you get to the end of the second one, I start to show it a little bit. I start to tip my hand a little bit that there's some big connections going on here. And I said... We can bring this together and make all your standalone stories you illustrated part of one big cohesive thing. And I said, but if I'm going to do that, if I'm going to lay my cards on the table, I need to know we're committed to doing it. And everybody was all about it. So that's what we did. We did uh, about 52 stories altogether when all was said and done and got to do that big tied together universe and then tales of mystery even is a, is a spinoff of, of nightmare world, you know, with a lot of the characters from nightmare world, uh, reappearing in that series, but for me with Night, me, with for me with Nightmare World, what I wanted first and foremost was to your point, people to read it as an anthology. You know, if Trish picks up Nightmare World and just reads it, you're like, oh, I like that story. That story was decent. That one was great. That one was okay. I didn't like that one. That's fine. <laughs> but ideally, as you keep reading, they all become one big thing in front of you. And uh, I think that's a very good way to do it. And and again, you know, I, with right or wrong, I call the writer's guide to creating comics. It's not a manual. 
it's a guide. Here's stuff to think about. Like you talk about with uh, Jukin Do, with Bruce Lee's book. It's a guide. It's things to think about. You know, there is no one way. There is no spoon to quote the Matrix. <laughs> you know, it's like just here's some things to think about. And, and ultimately, I've always considered that my responsibility, but also my privilege to be able to do that, to, to be able to hold the door and say, look, uh, here's what I can do to help out. And if I could, you know, help one other person make comics too, that's pretty amazing. And that, that, that's such a, such a privilege and such a gift, you know, to be able to do that, to be able to hold the door for so many people and be able to help so many people out. Um, so yeah, I look forward to reading it, man. You know, I definitely. Has, has anyone gotten to you, gotten back to you and said this, this got me on a journey or is, is hey, not. How, how, yeah, tons of people. And I'm not oh. trying to be cute. Like, oh, we have millions, huge. No, but <laughs> I used to have a shelf even of just books that people gave to me saying, oh, I nice. read right or wrong. And I got to the point I had to move into a comic box because like, they were like, filling my shelf. <laughs> but I have a box over there uh, of books that um, I get joked about. I apologize. That people <laughs> like, I read right or wrong. And then I made this book. And uh, I'll never forget the first guy to do it was a guy named uh, James Moore. He's from Columbus. And he read the columns with their newsarama. And uh, <laughs> he brought me his comic. And he goes, yeah, he goes, I made this because I read it wrong. And he signed it to me. And I asked him, well, would you sign it for me? And he's like, no way. You want me to sign it? I'm like, yeah, you made the book. <laughs> and um, <clears throat> God damn it. I'm going to try to cry. Um, James ended up passing away uh, in a car accident oh. uh, several, several years later. I mean, but he made several more books since then. And, and I was real proud of him and just excited. And I was a fan of his work. So here we are, Columbus. Hey, this was in Columbus, Ohio. He's from Columbus. I've seen him when I was in Columbus here and they're doing shows, you know, doing signings of Pack Rat Comics down there in Hilliard or, or what have you. And um, just last year at San Diego Comic-Con, I was at the Source Point Press booth on Saturday, and uh, this gentleman comes up, and he goes, hey, you know, you don't know who I am. My name is blah, blah, blah. And uh, I worked with James Moore on this one book, which I knew the book Inslee was talking about. I'm like, oh, my God, it's so nice to meet you. He goes, I was a fan of, a fan of your work and stuff. And he told me, he goes, yeah, he goes, I just wanted to come meet you and tell you that how much right or wrong and how much your work meant to James and helped get him started and then then turn help me get started. I know, right? And it just like, <laughs> I get, I almost cry every time, you know, um, and it's been, it's been years since I put out any new right or wrong material. I'm so anxious to do volume two and, uh. But yeah, I've had a lot of people over the years do that, and it, and it's such a privilege, you know, to do that, uh, to hold the door. I've been burned Wait. a couple of times too, holding the door open maybe a little too much. But you you just gotta you gotta keep your head up, you gotta remain positive, and you just gotta continue to help people, you know. Um, volume one was a column, or uh, yeah, it, it, it well. Vol- Right or Wrong started as a free online column at Newsarama. Eventually, I moved it over to Bleeding Cool when Newsarama went through some management changes. And then the first book 
took a lot of those old columns that were at Newsarama that no longer were online anymore, and I reformatted them, and I kind of made a definitive edition. So one thing I'm looking at doing, and I've kind of hinted at this a little bit already, so I guess I might as well make it official. When I launch <laughs> Right or Wrong Volume 2, I'm probably going to do a second edition of Volume 1. Same book, but, oh. just, you know, just some updates on it and things like that, you know, and 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 and, and maybe not make it that people have to rebuy it because I don't ever like people have to double dip. But, you know, some of the websites might be out of date, things like that, you know, and just – a new edition to the book, you know, a second edition, you know, and then do volume two, which is going to be about, uh, you got the book, what do you do? But doing it as a weekly column or even a monthly column became unsustainable. You know, I tried to bring it back for a hot minute at Patreon and then a bunch of stuff me with uh, the twisted development deal for an animated series and stuff. And it's just like, I just need to sit down and do the book is what I've learned. I just, I want to sit down and do the book. So that's, that's on my agenda to get that out so you you have a problem picking one direction and and sticking with it too (laughs) there's so many things you want to create at once i'll be honest with you i really don't but rather it's a matter of time right or wrong is a very labor-intensive project Mm -hmm. you know it's a very labor-intensive project and then you got to manage the deadlines of like uh, right now, I'm currently working on the third issue of the second volume of Haunted Hyons. I want to get those in the can because we have a deadline of when the publisher and when Twisted wants to get the next Haunted Hyons book out. Not to mention the fact that Haunted Hyons got picked up for a development deal by Ken Levin, who's a major producer, and he wants to do an animated series. So we need Ooh. to keep that going. Yeah, right? Yeah, he's <laughs> the producer on uh, Preacher for AMC, The Boys for Amazon Prime, you know. So okay. when he comes to me and says, we want to adapt to this book, I have an obligation to twist it into myself. To like, okay, now that's got to go in front. So I got to work yep. on the next volume of that. But then that pushes this over here. And the coronavirus mm-hmm. comes in. And then this happens. Mm-hmm. And it shifts things around. So that's one of the reasons in 2020 I was going to say I was going to start doing less shows, which I was going <laughs> to have. But then also with the twisted deal and everything else, it, it, it's to me, it's just time to, to get it all done. But uh, I, I think I work very hard and uh, continue to to push and like Twisted and Haunted High uh, Twisted Haunted Highons and Hope came out back to back. The Mystery Omnibus was going to come out right after that as well, but I also didn't want to get reader fatigue, so we ended up pushing back the Tales Mystery Omnibus by a year. You know, to kind of there's just a lot of there's a lot of factors that go into this stuff. You know, so. Uh, I don't have Disney or Warner Brothers bankrolling me because I own my own work. <laughs> I bankroll myself. And my readers, I guess, in turn, bankroll me. And conventions bankroll me, you know. So mm-hmm. it, it's it's a lot of factors, which, again, I think is stuff I'm going to be talking about in the next Red Wrong book as well. It's uh, how, do you, how do you make all that work, you know. Do you have the same problem I do where there's never a minute that you're awake that you're not thinking about business? <laughs> yeah, I'm very much a workaholic. I always thought that being a writer is like having homework every day for the rest of your life. Oh, uh, yeah. You know, <laughs> or, or being a writer is, is, is not a job, it's a curse. <laughs> <laughs> I don't get to, like, play video games or watch TV. It's like, I'll be, like, watching, like, trying to, like, do, like, pleasure watch television, and I'm like, 
<laughs> yeah, and then you come family. up with an idea and <laughs> well well it's like i got ideas i want to work on you know but it's like yeah my family wants to see me too you know things like that <laughs> i have to eat or you know whatever so um but it's really I, just about that discipline and i have another writer friend who says that they watch tv and they're like uh that scene would intro and then they say the room and they're like so and so walks from this side to the left and then they they're like doing the the script writing and their <laughs> partner's like shut up <laughs> yeah 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 can i just watch the damn show yeah. i had that conversation about a show i was watching recently and i said oh yeah i knew this was gonna i guess i knew that was gonna happen and they're like, oh, well, oh, look at you, Mr. Smarty Pants. I said, no, it's because of the parallel structure because they foreshadowed it here. It's like Chekhov's gun. If it's hanging about <laughs> the man the first act, you're in the last act. So the fact that they, 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 they actually, sh- you know, uh, you know uh, shadowed this or, uh, you know, way in advance, you know. And so, yeah, like I said, being a writer is a, it's a job, but it's also a curse. Foreshadowed it. <laughs> foreshadowed it. You can call it whatever shadowing you want. That's fair. You know, <laughs> up is down, black is white. You know, the, we're just in a, the, the darkest timeline right now. So it'll be all the shadows. Yeah. I I know that I don't have the ability to see to see the mystery before it finally gets shown to me half the time. My my only skill comes out when it's when you're watching the opening and all of a sudden they're showing you scenes of so-and-so that you haven't seen in four episodes and all of a sudden they're showing you this scene with them and then again i'm like oh something's happening with them now yeah that's gonna be important <laughs> right 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 <laughs> well i tried like when i watch television like to turn off my brain and just like just be immersed just enjoy it <laughs> you know which is why i enjoyed shows like the walking dead which obviously i know the story but it is, does not inhibit me because they change it enough. Eventually, they hit the beats. Eventually, they get there. But to me, part of the fun is like the swerves that they give you. And the same with like the Marvel Cinematic movies. You know the general idea. But I just watched again um, Spider-Man Far From Home. And again, spoiler alert, minor, minor, minor spoiler alert. But in the beginning of the movie, they, they make Mysterio look like the hero. And part of you is like, well, okay, that's not out of the realm of possibility because they change stuff up. And he does eventually become the villain. You know, you realize he is the villain. You know, sorry, spoiler over. But uh, <laughs> but again, the fact that they can make you think that he's the hero because of how much they twist things in the cinematic universe, it makes it joyous. It was, it was a little twist. And uh, speaking of... Uh, of, of uh twists um are you only into wwe or do you also follow oh, aew a i actually am more of an aew guy than i am a wwe guy wait yeah. <laughs> oh boy i was so worried because whenever and so there's one guy at work that watches wrestling also and he he is also anti uh wwe and i guess i'm not anti wwe i just i'm, I'm not so anti wwe either no you yeah know. it's it's i'm just tired of seeing the same thing happen over and over again it's the same formula all the time yeah i mean nxt is in fuego man nxt is on fire uh what they do on nxt is some of the best wrestling on television but i would argue AEW is also some of the best wrestling on television they're just doing different things, and it's nice to see 
it's nice to see that there isn't a 700-year-old man still running as the top guy in the company. Well, yeah. That, <laughs> you know, I, every, every time I think they've given up on the Roman Reigns experiment, they find new ways to... I don't know. It's Vincent Scott. I, I don't like to be negative about things publicly, especially because <laughs> whether I don't like the person or whether I don't like the product, there are people that do. And I can instead talk about something that's I like, that's positive, And I can share my joy of something rather than tear something down. I will say that being said, that I was very disappointed in them taking the belt off the fiend to give it to Goldberg to set up an opponent for Roman Reigns where Roman Reigns would not get booed out of the building. Yeah. Oh, the idea was if they put the fiend against Roman, they would have booed Roman out of the country. So they have the fiend drop the belt to Goldberg who then was going to drop the belt to Roman because the theory being that they would boo out the part-timer, which again, I don't think they thought through because Goldberg really wants to look like a face and look like the good guy. So it, there was just a lot of, I thought very poor decision-making made all around. And ultimately in WWE, Vince makes the decisions, you know, and but it sounds like he's making a lot less of the decisions. So it sounds like he has really stepped away from doing stuff a lot. I know he supposedly was with XFL, but now that XFL canceled, you know, it got declared bankruptcy. We'll see what happens. But I mean, but it's fine because, you know, the good thing was instead we got the Firefly Funhouse match with Bray Wyatt and John Cena, which for my money was one of the mo- coolest wrestling things they've done in 10 years. I haven't watched a WWE match at least this year, but I haven't watched one in quite a while. I would encourage you to legally find a way to watch <laughs> the Firefly Funhouse match. If you know was the history a, of Je- the, was the that history WrestleMania, of, it was a WrestleMania. Okay. If you know the history of John Cena, which you know, like from the beginning, from prototype up to now, it. It was unlike any wrestling thing you'll ever see, and it was more almost like a cinematic (laughs) biography of John Cena and why John Cena as a character, as a wrestler, ultimately failed. Okay. Yeah, it, it was fascinating. I mean, I, I hesitate to even call it a wrestling match because it's not really, but rather it's John Cena goes to the Firefly Funhouse and it's kind of like an evil version of This Is Your Life. Oh. You know, it's like a, like a Willy Wonka version of it, you know. Um, but then also they did, because, uh, you know, WrestleMania, there's no, no crowd. They did that Boneyard match, which was basically a Buried Alive match with Undertaker and AJ Styles which was legitimately one of the best horror movies of the year. <laughs> I could, it's a cinematic match. It's kind of like the old, um, it's kind of, it basically, it's like I said, like, I think I put it up on Twitter about somewhere in the world, Matt Hardy's waiting for his royalties check, you know, cause it's <laughs> like, like the final deletion style, you know, where it was a cinematic match between AJ and undertaker. And it was filmed and it was camera angles and lighting and, and sequences, but, 
And I know yeah. Matt Hardy just showed up on AEW, so that's yes. yeah. That's, I haven't seen AEW in a few weeks now, but I know that uh, I haven't seen it since John Moxley became the champion. So I I know okay. that he's the champion. Yeah, Mox is champion. Um, it's been good. You know, AEW just has phenomenal. Some of my favorite wrestlers. I love Kenny Omega. I love Pentagon Junior. Um, AEW just is an alternative wrestling program that's very very good. NXT is phenomenal. Raw and SmackDown are Raw and SmackDown. I mean, there's flashes of good, but AEW and NXT have my full attention every time they're on. Raw and SmackDown, I will have in the background, and I'll watch it when I'm doing email <laughs> or writing or something, you know. Well, and so with with the Raw and SmackDown, or dead WWE in general, I, I go with the UFC's a motto in that styles make fights so it really depends on who's in the ring as to whether or not it's worth watching yeah absolutely and vince i mean obviously historically has a predilection for big giant muscle dudes right but then you got nxt especially which values i would argue wrestling more true wrestling true performance true sports athletics and then what's been interesting is you bring the NXT guys to Raw or SmackDown, even a guy like Finn Balor, who's incredible. And mind you, I mean, Finn Balor was the first Universal Champion, so they gave him a monster push. But then after that, they he got hurt, came back, and they didn't know what to do with him because he just doesn't fit, like you said, the style of Raw or SmackDown. So Finn Balor ended up going back to NXT, which is better because he can go be Finn Balor again. He can be the prince, you know. He can, he can do his thing there. So yeah, I, I think your, uh, I think your, uh, your statement on that is very accurate. And there's a Raw and a SmackDown style, which is very different than AEW style, than NXT style. Obviously different than New Japan style. Um, and it just depends what you want. But I think by and large, Raw and SmackDown are a gateway to wrestling for a lot of people. But now we're finding AEW, especially, I think, is not only catering to people that want something different, but hopefully showing people that there is something different that you can enjoy as well. Um, they've even opened the door, for me at least, to OWE, which on their YouTube channel, I am i don't understand a damn thing these guys are saying. But, I mean, <laughs> some of the guys that are on o OWE are fun to watch. I mean, some of the some of the bigger names um don't do a lot of wrestling but i mean the, the littler guys that do a lot of flips and stuff they're mm -hmm. they're doing stuff that are is, you don't get to see anywhere else so i mean it's it's right. worth checking out yeah and even with aw like one of my other favorite wrestlers and one of the biggest reasons i was bummed out i couldn't do c2e2 this year was uh, orange cassidy yes who, who wrestles what they call sloth style instead of strong style <laughs> meaning he like trisha's like what he does I, I'm like, I have been Googling so many names during this conversation. <laughs> okay, well, I, I will tell you, Orange Cassidy. Oh, Orange Cassidy is the guy that has his hands in his pocket. Yeah, he does move oh, his I hands out of his him. pocket. Right, see? I that love really him. Yeah, he's the guy that just comes in, and he does take his hands out of his pockets. And, like, he, like, does, like, the kicks. And it's obviously so goofy. Oh. But, like, but, like, oh, 
Oh, oh <laughs> style like, makes sense after you tell yeah. me he's the guy with his. I just have to pocket. know what what the the key words are, and then she knows what she's going. Yeah, with. yeah. <laughs> in Japan, they a lot of guys wrestle strong style, which is they are really hitting you really hard. Ooh. Like 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 strong style is you're you're gonna. I mean, it's not ballet. Wrestling will always hurt. Strong style is you're gonna. It's you're gonna, gonna hurt feel, more. <laughs> you're, you're, yeah, you're, you're you're gonna feel it. So Orange Cassidy does sloth style, oh which my he gosh. moves really slow. His hands are in his pockets. He does all this stuff, and I, I think the Orange first wasn't it the first time. Well, I don't know if it was the first time he was on or just the first time I saw him, but I remember him getting into the ring. I think someone knocked him down or whatever, and like he did that whole jump thing to to get up without using his hands yeah yeah the I, tip I, I was yeah i was so amazed yeah i mean that was that was it he'll, for me he'll and do I was like so... he'll do like uh two face susinas with his hands in his pockets he'll like jump over the ropes with his hands in his pockets and, <laughs> yeah. yeah and of course inevitably the joy of watching an orange cassidy is when he does finally snap for like a better word <laughs> <laughs> wrestle. Right. he can wrestle but it's that it's that long build-up where he's just being a goof and like they take his sunglasses <laughs> off and like throw him in the crowd and he just goes and puts on another <laughs> pair. <laughs> yep. It's funny. The, it's the thing fun. that she's talking about, I think it was like a battle royal or a like a Royal Rumble style battle royal. And he comes in and oh. they clothesline him down and he hops back up and then the guy grabs him and throws him over the top rope and he just he just walks out with his hands in his pockets the whole time. She's like, Can he just pop back up? Yeah, sloth style. Yeah, that's okay. Yeah, he, uh, yeah. he wrestled uh, uh, Pac uh, at the pay-per-view at C2E2, and, you know, Pac's a monster. He's just a, a beast. But again, a guy that was terribly misused for a large part of his run in WWE and uh, comes in AEW and is just a, an animal. And then you have this super intense dude like, I'll rip you apart. I'll eat your brains. Blah, 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 blah. <laughs> then you got Orange Cassidy. <laughs> you know. So, yeah, big fan of AEW. Big fan of AEW. I would say as a non-wrestling fan of all the wrestling that I've had to watch because of DJ, that I probably like it the best, too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, all these stuff is good, and you can have fun. Some of the old school guys hate it because it breaks kayfabe and stuff. But it's like you know, I want to be entertained, and I want to give me something fresh, give me something dynamic. You have some of the best athletes in the world, and then you got some goofy stuff, and it it all works out. An amazing women's division, uh, amazing wrestlers. You got big guys, you got little guys. You know, Jericho is is quickly becoming one of the greatest of all time you know it was a good decision for them to give him the championship right off the bat yep. it's going to be a good decision to keep him in the championship picture for a while but it's also going to be very important not to leave him the focus for too long because there's going to be a point to where everybody's like i'm a little over jericho it's not yet but i mean there's going to be a point right. where it's going to be like he needs to go away now well, and they will. I mean, and I don't want to spoil things for you, but one of the things I love is that you know he's la champion. Yeah. Well, he's formed his stable, <laughs> the inner circle, and and again, uh, holding the door. Jericho is now saying, if anyone in the inner circle wins the belt, 
we're all champion. You know, we uh, share, we share that. And again, and it fits perfectly into that narcissism he has. Like if one of my guys gets the belt, I'm still champion then because that's one of my guys. So it allows him to put over guys like, uh, I'll say Jack Swagger, which isn't his name anymore. Mark. Uh, no. no, Jake. Uh, Jake Hager. Hager. I can put over yeah. Jake Hager. I, I, I can put over Sammy Guevara. I can put over these guys. And if they become champion, the inner circle, if one of us is champion, we all are champions. So, it, again, it perfectly plays into the egocentric Jericho character while also putting over the next generation of wrestlers, which is which is brilliant. And, and as a smart, as a guy that gets how the business works, uh, a smart mark, you know, a guy that still geeks out over the stupid stuff. The, I, I geek out over the stuff that's clearly fake, but enjoy it. But I'm smart enough to know what's kind of what's going on to an extent. So smart. Ah. Yeah, and I'm a proud smart, but I can appreciate not only the storyline about this egocentric Jericho guy who is clinging to the idea of being champion because he can't take out Moxley by sending all his other guys to hopefully soften him up. And if one of them gets lucky, well, because Jake Hager's champion and he's in the inner circle, we're all champion. I'm still the champion. And then yeah. even then, I was the first champion. So I'll always be the champion. And it's just, I love it. I love it. <laughs> I love what Jericho's doing. Uh, just just amazing reinvent, re, reinvention of his character time and time again. But you look at the list, Jericho, you look at the pain maker, you look at Le Champion. Uh, he's just a year ago, I would have told you that Jericho wasn't wasn't a top five of all time. He's getting pretty damn close if he's not in there. He's unquestionably top 10 at this point in his career, and he may very well end up in the top five, in my opinion. And I'm. Um, the- Oh, I was going to say, would you like to know who my favorite wrestler has been? Yes, uh, it's not it's not Cassidy? <laughs> no, mine, mine is like well, old. No, um, I was, was I don't I don't remember his name. Mick. Uh, Mick Foley. Mankind. Yes. yes. <laughs> he, he was always my favorite from way and back. He's a guy that has reinvented himself several times. He's a children's books author. He's a stand-up comedian. Yeah. He's an amazing <laughs> He let Undertaker throw him off the top of the Hell in a Cell, making him one of the most <laughs> iconic moments of all time. You know, yeah, Foley's a good again, another guy that is is incredible, incredible. Performer. Know your mouth and shut your roll, Michael Cole. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Rock, this is your life. Yeah. <laughs> if we beat the Hollies tonight, we can get in line for the champions. Whoa, 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 whoa! Who in the blue hell are the Hollies? Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah he's he's my favorite um dj was trying to to get me a um like a celebrity birthday greeting on on an yeah. app that that he heard about recently cameo. and cameo. okay cameo so i so he tried to find somebody on cameo to do this for me he goes i just i can't find anybody that i know that that you're really into you need to help me. So I'm like looking on Cameo too. And I honestly, I looked for Mick Foley. I did. <laughs> Is he on there? I'm like, I no. don't think he was like uh. almost, there's only a couple people 
on there that I I was interested in. Of course, one is way too expensive. One is uh, I won't remember his name either. Um, Taser Face from from uh, yeah yeah and yeah, and yeah. this is us, Chris Chris Sullivan. Yeah, from uh, Guardians of the Galaxy. Yes, yeah. yes, yes. He's on there, but it's like 175 bucks. And so, I'm like, I will. And I heard about Cameo on Rebel Force oh. Radio. So they're all excited about all the Star Wars voice actors. So I'm like, oh, Cameo. So I go immediately into Cameo and I start searching for people. I am literally finding nobody. And I'm like, oh, my God. So I'm digging and digging and she's digging and digging. And I'm fine. I'm, I'm searching for anybody at this point. And they're either completely overpriced or they're not there. And I'm like, holy crap. Well, yeah, you gotta you gotta know your market and be cool about it. You know, I mean, even with me with Comic Cons and stuff, it's like, I know the books the the, the price is sixteen ninety nine, fifteen bucks. You know, just be cool. You know, let's just deal in single. Let's just deal in <laughs> in one or two bills. You know, and and yeah, not yeah. You know, just be cool to people. Don't don't price yourself out of the market on that stuff. Yeah, there the other people. Oh. One was from Comic Book Men because we've been watching that. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. We we or we finished that whole series. series yeah, Ming's, Ming's a buddy of mine, Ming's, Ming's dude. Yeah. No, he, he was on there, and I'm like, oh my god. So there were three people that I picked, and it was it was Ming, <laughs> or it was Chris, or it was Betty Bowers, the world's best Christian. <laughs> she's she's hilarious. I love her to death. I and I'm not familiar with her. You, Finally, I ah, oh, I got you. Yes. Got you with a name. So what's your name? Betty Bowers. Betty Bowers. Yeah, it's a oh. character, but it's um, I find her videos on YouTube or, or Facebook usually. Um, you and you'll. Comedian? I'm I'm not a Christian, and I love watching this woman talk. It's <laughs> she is hilarious and awesome. Okay, right yeah. on, right on. She she <laughs> is she is just yeah she is comic gold, um but. I, I was going to try to find at least a, a picture or something so that, you know, you're you're finding the right person. And, of course, I can't find any picture that's not super tiny. But there's a there's a I've seen her. Yeah. Oh, I, I love her. Yeah, 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 yeah. I just didn't know her. Yeah. Yeah. She's great. Yeah. <laughs> she was telling me about her forever and then she made me watch a video and I'm like, oh, my God, I love this woman. Yeah. She, just, she makes <laughs> yeah. me laugh. Yeah. I love her. Very cool. <laughs> but yeah, so so you know Ming, huh? Yeah. Do you totally. know Do you know the rest of the guys there? You know, because uh, Ming and com- I know Ming, uh, Brian O'Halloran, who is not officially a comic book guy per se, but runs right. an action. Those are the two that I'm buddies with. Brian O'Halloran is actually my faux karaoke nemesis. Okay. Oh, so, <laughs> got a long running karaoke feud that. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, we were we were watching. We probably I don't know. We watched seasons of it. I mean, we we tore through it pretty quick recently. Yeah. But there was one point where I said to DJ, I'm like, you know, he never has a comic book men shirt on, but he's always there. (laughs) And I finally I went (laughs) I go to Wikipedia and I'm like, does he really work there or not? Because it I mean, if he works there. He's not doing anything. And uh, and so, yeah, I had to look him up or look it up in general. And they're like, nope, he's just, you know, the friend. And, and True so... words have never been spoken. He's always there. He's never doing anything. Maybe <laughs> right. I'm a 
on Facebook later, Ming, just for this moment. He's always around, but he's not really doing anything. I would argue that's Ming's, like, M.O., you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, so, the okay. thing that we were both noticing, too, is that anytime a celebrity came in, they knew Ming, but not anybody yeah. else. I was yeah, like, <laughs> Jesus, does Ming know fucking everybody? Clearly. I mean, if I'm sitting here, I'm saying, I know Ming, that we we hang out, you know, yeah. But at dinner with him, you know, it's like. So I'm only a couple degrees of Kevin Bacon away from Ming right now. Yeah. You're one degree. Like, if I we mean, well, true. show and he's there, I'll, I mean, introduce you. Ming's a great dude, you know. <laughs> didn't mean to take, I didn't mean to take your Christmas present away or whatever. Sorry. No, it's all good. <laughs> no. No, I'll no, it's my body. It's, it's it's my birthday in three days, so good yeah, luck with days. that. <laughs> uh, right now we're not traveling very much, but I'll tell you what, hit, hit me on Facebook and maybe I can make something happen. <laughs> we've uh we've been so the thing we do usually for my birthday is I I got addicted to escape rooms. Yeah. Nice. Oh, I love escape rooms so much. I love them so much that BJ is rolling his eyes right now. Just they are rolling over. Yeah. Okay. I just have him in the tiny little camera, so I can't actually see them. But I, mean, I can totally he is see smiling them. and joyous, <laughs> and is just delighted by this. Yeah, so like, no, wait. No, wait. wait. <laughs> We're gonna take this aside to say I'm okay with one or two or three, but when we get up to seven or eight or nine in the same day, we're we're overloaded. That's the same much. day. Pretty sure we, same pretty sure we only did three in the same day. We have done five in one day. Are you sure? Vegas. Well, I know, but <laughs> I didn't think we did them all in one day. We did yes. them all in two days. <laughs> okay. So. 24-hour period <laughs> is a day. I'm just putting that. When you're oh. talking about like five escape well, rooms. Well, then, okay. Then I probably. I would that. be shot. My nerves would be like, I'd like be like walking in my hotel room like, okay, what am I going to do? You know, like, like freaking out. <laughs> How do like, I walk, get into my room? Walk, walk into the bathroom like, okay, there's a trap in here. <laughs> Uh-huh. Welcome so, to my world. <laughs> so I got totally addicted. It was a couple of years ago, and I, I wanted to do an escape room for my birthday. And so my brother lives out here and his wife. Well, not not yet. Not that day. But I did make DJ do one the very next day, technically. So <laughs> so we did we did one with the four of us, and then there were a couple of random people in the room, and um, and so we did one escape room, and then the actual, it, it must have been a weekend, and then maybe my birthday was on a Monday or something, and I'm like, DJ, let's do another escape room. And so then he and I, <laughs> so then DJ and I did one together the next day, and then um, and then my brother was like all into it too. He he's like, I really. He, he likes escape rooms, too. So I'm like, all right, I got one in. <laughs> but but we've got He's just DJ. doing the fumes right off the spoon at this point. Right, right. So, we, so we've got DJ and Mary, who are like the people who have to come with us because they're married to us. And, yeah. and so, so, yeah, we did those for my birthday. So that would have been April of that year. And then maybe we did some closer to Christmas or something because we didn't have any more birthdays that year. But my brother's birthday is in February and mine's in April. So I'm at least guaranteed two escape rooms a year <laughs> I, I know i know that we only have a uh, uh i think a few minutes left here but i do have to ask you this 20 <laughs> i thought it was 42 the answer everything oh yes <laughs> what is the ratio of escape rooms that you succeed in versus that they actually get you 
we were wow. really good at the beginning and then we just started failing they started getting complicated <laughs> but so, so like, what's your, like, what's your rate what's your ratio half, i think i think we're over half successes yet i'm gonna okay. say we're we're in the 60 percent range so if I'm in a so if I'm in like a dangerous situation with you guys, I want I, I have a sixty percent chance of living. Yeah, that's not bad because I probably would have like a ten percent on my own. Well, I probably would get past so, the first clue. They'd be like, uh, you know, like they'd be like, like look at the clock, like, right? Look at the clock, you know. <laughs> well, we we also when he mentioned Vegas, we we went to Las Vegas for our twentieth anniversary a couple of years ago, and. Yeah. <laughs> we um so we that's when we did our huge run of escape rooms because it was air conditioned it was may you do the math that's why we're in escape rooms but we also did um a virtual no aug what is it dj augmented reality that was that was virtual reality that we did virtual reality yes okay virtual reality okay so we did this virtual reality game too and we we were in the gigantic room that just had the grid on the floor and we were we had like the backpack with all the sensors on it and yeah. and the goggles and everything and so i just want to say that if you want to be saved from alien robots that have taken over your ship you're going to want to stick with me versus the navy veteran <laughs> i will get you out alive in my defense, there was a lot of input coming in, and I was really overwhelmed by what was going on. I was just I was so dragging, much input. I was just completely I was, overwhelmed. I was dragging a dead body with me throughout that that whole ship. Was that dead body to... DJ? <laughs> yes, it was. <laughs> on that note. Oh, it was so much fun. <laughs> oh. So she's asking I, me for communication, and I'm just I'm looking around. I'm like I I can't process information. Anything. So much lights and flashing, and I don't know what's going on. We we'd like go through a doorway. I'd be like I'll go right, you go left, and I get nothing. And then I'm like I'm right, and then I see shots coming behind me. I'm like what are you doing? And I get nothing. And and then I'm like you need to work with me. I get nothing. So I'll, they, I'll, I'll I'll be your Huckleberry. That's good. Yeah, I like you and you're my friend as well. But I, I want to survive. Yeah, yeah. I want to survive. Yeah, alien robots. It's kind so of specific, but we we I'll would need. I, I, in, in I chose the alien robot scenario, so admittedly I should have probably gone with the zombies because there was way too much input on the space station. Like like I said, I I needed less input, and it was oh. just. It was too much. My brain was fried. <laughs> That's fair. That's fair. It was, it was I'll so do the zombie fun. one with you then. We'll go kill some zombies. That'll be yeah, fun. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was it was a great time. I loved all the all the gaming in Vegas. That was lots of fun. We didn't actually gamble. We just did escape rooms and virtual reality and ate at buffets. I'll look into that next time uh, next time I get a chance to go to Vegas. I'll have to look into some of the virtual reality stuff. That sounds really cool. <sighs> Yeah, it was, it was in at, uh, MGM, MGM Grand, I think. MGM Grand, okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there was a there. Yeah, I remember they had a specific name to their company there, and it was really expensive hourly. And, but it was so much fun. It was so. If immersive. it's worth it, it's worth it. You know, everything totally worth it. Getting more and more expensive there. So. Yeah. Well, that was well, that was my first time there. I well, I think yours too, DJ, right? Yeah. 
Or I've never, okay. Well, I've been through Vegas before, but that was as a small <laughs> child. Right, right. yeah. That's your first time you get to go and experience it. As, yeah. 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 Yep, that was my first time there. It was fun. We stayed in the Luxor because I really wanted to stay in the Big Pyramid. Yeah. <laughs> that's cool. Yeah. It was cool. Yep. Good. So, and, oh, and now we have to do escape rooms virtually because we can't do an escape room in three days. But apparently, they, the, a couple of companies in Portland have just put out virtual escape rooms that they've been working on for the last month because they have no income. I, I expect a full report <laughs> on how this went. Drop me a line on the, on, the, on the social medias, on the Facebook or the Instagrams or the Twitters, and let me know how it went. I want to hear about it. Yeah, oh, are you yeah I, I am. All my social, what a good way to wrap it up. See ya. All my social <laughs> media is at Dirk Manning. Sweet. Yeah, so just I'm you look like the guy with the top hat and the scarf, and uh, that's me. You know, I think the top hat and the scarf is why I had to come to your table to make sure it was you in Ohio. Yeah. Because that, yeah. I'd never seen a picture of you except right. for that one. And I'm like, that's why I always had the button too. Like, yeah, it's me. Because people would argue, <laughs> you're not Dirk Manning. I'm like, he wears a top hat and a scarf. And I'm like, I don't wear a top hat and a scarf in real life. It's, me. it's me right here. Oh, that's funny. <laughs> oh. I didn't argue with you. I, I believe I, that you were Dirk Manning. I wanted to tell the, the missus there that someone really likes ice cream. That is true. Wait, what? Dirk is an ice cream fiend. I, I prefer aficionado. Fiend. <laughs> I use the word fiend. Fiend is also appropriate, though. Let's be <laughs> In fact, there, that's what, what, as, soon as, as we wrap up here, I'm going to go get some ice cream. Yeah, no. So I figure I've talked for a long time. That'll soothe my vocal cords. Is Back the... when I was still on Facebook, because I have given it up All now, right. like over a year you. ago. Oh, thank um, you. I'll hit you back. I it was, was on Instagram. <laughs> yeah. And I've, I, I'm now following you on Instagram, too. <laughs> I will. I will. I, I keep a 666 follow count, but I've been looking to freshen things up. So I will uh, I will make good on that this evening or tomorrow. Um, so <laughs> what, oh. when I was following you on Facebook, there were often pictures that came up with your your face just hidden by a bowl of, of ice cream of some uh -huh. sort. Uh -huh. <laughs> Very frequently. It said I have a face for radio, man. I, I tell you, we can't all be pretty. You know, it can't all be pretty. <laughs> ice cream is another good reason to come to Portland for Rose City Comic Con. We have um, we have a place straw. called Salt and Straw. Yes, we have those in Seattle as well. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. Which, which then, I will. I, I, I'm not booked for Rose City. Maybe if they decide yeah. they would have me, I'd love to go. But I will be in Emerald City if that's close enough by. We can all go get Salt and Straw ice cream. I've never been to Seattle. That's and the August, we've, the August 30th, something? Yeah, no, August. Yeah, yeah, yeah they moved it. They moved I think it, it was, yeah. Um, now we can stay to the Instagram, but yeah, it will be at, it, pending it goes on still. 21st I, through the 23rd. Yep, I'll be at Emerald City this year. So that'll probably be my... Yeah, <laughs> there you go. See, that'll probably be my first show back at this point because San Diego got canceled. Mm. But uh, if not that, then uh, my first big one will be New York. But yeah, Salt and Straw is amazing ice cream. Mm -hmm. Very, very good. We have those guys, and I know I see 50 Licks a lot. I haven't had that, licks. but I want to come to Portland. We'll do that, too. So. <laughs> I like to make my own, too. Do you do that? I'm, 
myself, no, because if I learned to make my own ice cream, I oh, would. That's all you'll I, eat. I would die. I, I would never leave the house. I would be dead here. But uh, if you have homemade wares, I'd be happy to uh, sample that as well. I <laughs> made some pie. French toast. Uh, French I'm on toast my way. All right. I'm going to. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Sue's quarantine is over. Be like, ah, 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 ah. Hello, here's some homemade ice cream. Yeah. Let me in. <laughs> well, we do have an extra room, which is the closet I'm next to, because my my podcast studio is in my closet. But right, um, right, right. We can get the, we can get a bed set up in here. I don't even need that. Just a couple bowls of ice cream. Uh, you, I'll be all set. Don't worry about me. I'll curl up on the ball when I'm done. <laughs> Yeah. Ice cream hibernation. Uh, <laughs> uh, thank you guys. I appreciate getting <sighs> to talk this evening. It was very, very it was I'm good. So, overdue. I am just so glad that I remembered that <laughs> you can't We're go all anywhere. quarantined. <laughs> no, I, I like I said, I mean soon I'm like, Yeah, let's do it, man, that'd be perfect. Our schedule's lined up and things like that. So we will have to do it again soon as some of the new uh, the convention season picks back up and hopefully I get the opportunity to see you perhaps in Seattle, you know, and it, uh, you know, if not So when when fine. the original oh. Emerald City came by, one of my coworkers so I, I work I'm a mailman and I work in a very small office. So basically uh, no more than two of us can be off at one time and one right. of my coworkers had that specific weekend off along with somebody else. Gotcha. So I was like, oh, I can't go, but it got oh, canceled. That's such a good show. Well now put in now for the um, schedule and actually we have to bid on it the year before. Wow. Um I That's don't why know. he had this week off because right. he had to um, pick it last December. <laughs> right, right. I I will double check, but I might have the 21st through the 23rd off already because be awesome. I did on it last year. So I mean, it's possible. And if it is, and it's still happening, I will go to see. That would be great to see you guys. But if not, we'll yeah. we'll talk on the instas and the the all the the, the social medias and. Yeah. We'll talk on the side. We'll have to DJ. I'm going to help you expand your uh, your your short box of books there, so that so <laughs> only so that Trisha can have her own. Box. So that I can go buy him a new one and get well, the old one for me. Well, there is that. Well, that way, no, Trisha. I'm doing this for you. That way, you'll have your own box. <laughs> oh. <laughs> He'll have a box. I got you, dude. I like how you spin that. You're good at you like that. You like that? I will give well, it. I, I do I do have to say that I am wondering what the larger what the larger story is and I only have these two volumes. We need to get you three and four, and then we need to get you into Tales of Mystery. There's four volumes of that so far. So yeah, see I think it's very apropos and you know hope. And what I'll do is obviously Trisha I gotta get you the first issue of Cthulhu Junior and Oh God yes. And and hope I think you'd really enjoy that both of you. So. Uh, and then, of course, with Haunted High Ends being a, uh, looked at as a developmental deal for a television series. Uh, Got to get you on the tip on that. So <laughs> we'll talk. You know, I know you and got a birthday coming up. We can make some magic happen here for some stuff. I, all I can offer is cat toys and dog treats. Do you have pets? Like I said, you have a birthday coming up. So <laughs> you're, <laughs> gone. You're, you're gone too often. Well, I just I just want to show. Well, I can show it to you later, too. It's somewhere here, but I'm working on a dumpster fire cat toy for 2020. That's amazing. <laughs> I mean, when you get that Cthulhu one, let me know. Right. Awesome <laughs> Doesn't matter if I have cats or not. 
I just want. Oh, to right. <laughs> well, I do like that dumpster fire is cute. Oh. I know. Really what about a idea. Dirk Manning limited edition cap? Yes. You'd be like a top hat and a face scarf. with a scarf over yeah. it. Yeah, I mean, it's a very, yeah, it's a very, uh, I want to say simple look would be a little perhaps uh, demeaning, but it's a very, uh, yeah, you know, it's a, it's, it's a, it's a simple it's not look. Hard. It's not hard to, uh, yeah. yeah, it's not hard to, to pull off. Yeah, yes, you got the model right there. We so. could cartoon it up a bit because, I mean, <laughs> It's only, it takes like black and and like peach, only two colors, you know. Yeah. <laughs> I could do that. Yeah, I've been making chickens this whole time. Otherwise, so. Oh, <laughs> <cute>. <laughs> well, well yeah. anyway. Happy birthday! Okay. We'll we'll talk and uh, we'll have to arrange uh, some sort of birthday present for you. Yes. Oh, so we are going to have a green room after show for just the three of us, but uh, for the guests, for the for the viewers that will see this, because this is just a recording for us here. Uh, we, we thank you for joining us. Thank you, Dirk, yes. for showing up. Thank you for having <laughs> me. People want to stay in touch. They can look at DirkManning.com, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, all at Dirk Manning. And uh, I'll uh, hopefully see a lot of you there and uh, get see you once we all get back on the road again. Yep, there it yeah. is, website. Junior and Dastardly Dirk. Yes. And we will see you at the greatest show and, and emeraldspectre.com to find all the podcasts. So we'll <laughs> see you later, guys. Bye. Bye.